Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do and in fact will do greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father might be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask for anything, I will do it. And he said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him. Because he abides with you and because he will be in you. The gospel of the Lord. So this whole Pentecost thing means a lot of stuff. Historically, symbolically, liturgically, theologically, of course, where the life of the church is concerned. Some of it is interesting. A lot of it is not. To people who aren't too familiar with all that we do as Christian people in the world, it can seem like insider language, which I'm never a fan of. So I feel like it bears some explaining, as it were. One way to talk about Pentecost, this big, meaningful festival day in the life of the church, is that it's, that is kind of interesting to me, is that it is the birthday of the church, some say. We celebrate it 50 days after Easter's resurrection to coincide with what gathered those first disciples into Jerusalem at the time of that reading from Acts that we just heard with all those really hard words. Good job, Donna. This Jewish holiday they called the Festival of Weeks, which marked the end of the Jewish Passover for them. While they were gathered in Jerusalem then for this festival, some crazy, strange, weird, maybe scary things happened. There was a sound like the rush of a violent wind. There were tongues of fire. They started speaking in languages they didn't even know that they knew. People out on the streets thought they were drunk, which I do think is kind of interesting, actually. But many talk about Pentecost as the birthday of the church because a new thing happened that day, which is interesting too, if not a little bit ironic, the new thing. For an institution that's known too much of the time for our steadfast stubbornness, to have something like the crazy new thing that happened at Pentecost be the hallmark of our birth is kind of funny. It's noteworthy. It's something we forget too much of the time, and it is very much worth remembering. So in the spirit of Pentecost, 
with every imaginable pun intended there. In the spirit of Pentecost, I've asked for your help with today's sermon. You all received those little flames. The kids helped me collect them. The open-ended statement on these flames, we're not going to read them all, don't worry. The open-ended statement was, I want to be part of a church that. And this is a good pile and two baskets full. Thank you very much for playing along. I kind of want to know if you were giving birth to a church, if you could pick or plan or propose what you would like our church or your church or the church with capital C in the world to look like, what would you choose? I want to be part of a church that keeps an open door and open hearts and minds to all members of this world, no matter what race, color, orientation, or belief. I want to be part of a church that welcomes all people. I'm noticing a theme. I want to be part of a church that opens doors for all. I want to be part of a church that makes everyone feel welcome. I want to be part of a church that uses old hymns. <laughs> I want to be part of a church that keeps with traditional services for the most part. I want to be part of a church that cultivates spiritual growth and nurtures the world. I want to be part of a church that is welcoming and engaging. I want to be part of a church that expands our church out of the walls of the church. I like that we are called partners in mission. I want to be a part of a church that loves, that gives positive messages to help us through the week, that welcomes all. Again, I notice a theme. I want to be part of a church that welcomes everyone and means it. I want to be part of a church that feeds the hungry I want to be part of a church that's multicultural and more colorful. I want to be part of a church that gives. I want to be part of a church that lights my fire. Jim Morrison's in the building. <laughs> so for what it's worth, this whole idea was inspired by several people who have reached out to me in person and online, really in just the last few weeks. Old friends from high school, former Cross of Gracers, and some virtual strangers, honestly, and acquaintances that I know. And they've reached out to say that they have been inspired by what they've been seeing and hearing about our ministry at Cross of Grace. Some who've moved away from the area, told me they just haven't been able to find a place like they miss here at Cross of Grace. Others marvel at the wide welcome we try to extend, particularly to our LGBTQ friends and family and neighbors. Others have simply been moved because all of that has challenged in a beautiful way what has otherwise disillusioned them about Christians and the church in the world. I want to be part of a church that does that every day of the week and two or three or four or five times on Sunday. 
as the saying goes. Challenge, I mean, in beautiful ways what disillusioned people think and feel and have experienced from other Christians and other churches in their lives. And it reminded me that the Holy Spirit really is living and moving and breathing right here and right now or wants to be anyway. What God is calling us to do here in our little corner of the kingdom is no less profound than the tongues of fire that appeared in that room so many generations ago when that handful of disciples, ordinary, plain, simple men, women, and children gathered in the days after the resurrection, wondering what in the world they were supposed to do now, that the resurrection had happened and that Jesus had left them to their work. None of the things that so often steal our attention and our energy mattered so much in that Pentecost season. I wrote this before I read those. It didn't matter what songs were sung or what liturgy was used. It didn't matter what the building looked like or how the chairs were arranged. It didn't matter even that others had told them they were crazy to believe all the things that they said they believed. What mattered was that the presence of God came into that room and they let it happen. They listened and they lived differently because of it. What mattered is they weren't afraid to open their mouths and to let words of grace and blessing and welcome come out. Whether they even understood what in the world they were saying to one another or not. What mattered is they didn't keep any of this to themselves. They told others about this good news of God's love for the world. And they let everyone in. From every nation, every ethnicity, every culture, every color, every language and lifestyle too, such as it was in their day. What mattered is that God was doing something new and God's people were there to let the Holy Spirit have its way with them. So let's do more of that. When it comes to Pentecost and the Holy Spirit and what God is working to do with us, let's let our guards down more often and let's let the Holy Spirit have its way with us every once in a while. Because when we let the Holy Spirit move among us, we build buildings and pay off mortgages. When the Spirit is living within us, we invite and we welcome others to join us. We don't sit behind closed doors and wait for tongues of fire to do all of our talking. When the Spirit's alive and well in our lives, we find courage to lead instead of always following our old, safe comfortable, familiar ways. When the Spirit inspires our thoughts and our prayers, they become words and deeds that do justice and that love kindness and that work for peace and healing in this broken, hurting world. When we let the Spirit animate our life together, our hearts open, we hear the needs of others, and we risk sharing ourselves more completely because of it. And when we let the Spirit of God truly have its way with our worship and with our learning and with our service, our friends and our neighbors out there who watch us might just think we're drunk. 
Because who would be that generous? Why would you be that kind? How could you be that forgiving, that welcoming, that full of grace and mean it? So this morning, and in the days of Pentecost that lie ahead, days of the Spirit on the other side of Easter, please pray with me and decide to see just what God will do with us if we let it happen. If we let the Spirit warm us inside and out, if we let the fire of something new that God is doing burn differently within us, I imagine we'll find ourselves on holy ground often. I imagine we'll learn new ways to speak love and grace and forgiveness into and for the sake of this world that needs it. I bet we'll find the Spirit of God in people and in places and in the midst of ourselves and our fellowship, too, where we never expected or believed it could be. And I pray it will keep shaping this congregation and God's church, capital C, in the world into the kind of place that more of God's children long to call home. Amen.